People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello and welcome to the show. How the devil are you all? Ahoy! Ahoy there. So it's uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. As we are recording this on the 17th of March. And presumably it will go out today, if not tomorrow, but Happy St. Patrick's Day anyway. Okay, so um, today's show will be a show on. What are you covering today? Ships. Haunted ship. Haunted ship. And this one's one I've got very, very strange. Indeed, and I will be covering the Gorton Poltergeist. Okay, but before we do that, let's get the iTunes reviews of the week. Right, this is from... Uh, iTunes America. iTunes America, yes. This one's Evil Dupin. I love this podcast and the series are awesome. Thank you. Another uh, one by Jesus Lives 12 I uh, love this podcast. You all are the best. It's like sitting with friends and talking about and listening to interesting topics. Mm-hmm. Keep it up. Please don't worry about the criticism and fussy and fussy listeners. They are just snobs. Both of you all do awesome job. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you much indeed. Right, we've got another one here for. And we do, and we don't mind constructive criticism. No, of course we don't. Well, well, we need it, don't we? Yeah. To uh, improve the yeah. show. We've got the uh, mom of three wild childs. <laughs> Like mine. Uh, this is a great podcast. They are fun to listen to. I love that you occasionally hear the real life of kids and family going on in the background. Keep up the great work, guys. And we sure will. Yeah, hence the new microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. I think we're going to buy some new microphones. Shouldn't be happening in the See? future. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, from the UK then. This is from uh, L.J. Bramham. Great podcast, five-star reviews. These are all five-star reviews, by the way, this week. Only just found this podcast after the hearing Lee on Jim Harold. Uh, absolutely brilliant. I've only listened to a fraction of the episodes, uh, so I'm pleased that I've got many more to catch up on. Great to hear so many brilliant homegrown paranormal stories. Mm. Okay, so that's fantastic. And then this one from Shearwood900. Presumably there weren't just like 900 people who I did name Sherwood, you know what I mean? But anyway, Sherwood 900, fantastic podcast, five stars again. One of my favourite podcasts, good topics, very entertaining to listen to. Well, thank you all very much because them reviews really do help us climb the charts and get noticed. For the right reasons. Of course. Okay, so remember, if you can leave us an iTunes review, please do so. And if you can't, just share the episode on all your social media. I mean, that goes a long, long way. Yep, it all helps towards the show, being recognised and climbing up the chats and uh, uh, getting more new listeners. Okay, so Gorton then, the Gorton Poltergeist. Okay, might get a few tonight. Indeed. This is the case of the Gorton Poltergeist, which is in uh, basically northwest England, Manchester. Okay. So the housing site, the development itself was only built, it's quite recent, it was only built in the 70s. So you're already thinking that the paranormal, the reason for the paranormal there is probably stretching back into yeah. history. Now, one of the things I like about this case is the way it came out. It's unusual. 
um, because the paranormal is not something you talk about readily with family, neighbours. Especially not in the 70s. No, even to some extent, um, you know, religious. So I don't know if you talk about it really. I don't know if you no. talk about it even at church. No, they, so they the, the people, the usual people you confide to, you know, you don't for this reason, for the, for the, for the paranormal, which is it's kind of strange paradox but but true so the, the way this came out is the the local housing officer got wind that this was going on and he put two people in contact with each other mm, and then yeah. they found out that it was happening to both of them <clears throat> but before i get into that which there's a bit more detail on that i thought obviously people want to hear about the phenomena phenomenon 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 Phenomenon. 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 Um, so I'll get into a bit of that. Now a lot of the people that lived on it's affected basically. Uh, it was like a corner block of housing. It's the it's the usual sort of Victorian layout, you know, the house opposite house, yeah, kind yep. of thing. Uh, you know, back little back gardens, that kind of shit. No front gardens necessarily. So typical of most of England, really. Anyway, this was a corner block, if you like. So the the fa- eight families that were affected basically lived on the particular corner. Of this estate, okay. okay. So all within a few hundred yards of each other. Now, there was a couple called Vinny and Mandy, and at the time they had a real, they had a young daughter called Chloe. I think she was about two. And now they'd heard stuff going on in the house, bangs, that kind of stuff. But they'd only just recently moved in, and you know you don't know what to expect. I guess they they put up with it for a long, long while, and then at some point Chloe refused to go upstairs. She, at night time, she just would scream, shout. She would, would not want to yeah. go upstairs. And obviously, I think, hang on, you know, it's a little bit weird, but it's a little, it's a little kid, so you don't know. So you just, you just get on with it, yeah. Until Vinny was at home one day, and he actually said he saw it with his own eyes. He stood there, and a baking tray just lifted up off the kitchen side and flew across the room. And then now he's thinking, you've got problems. Yeah, something going on here. Yep. So once shortly, shortly after that. When uh, Mandy, she saw a young girl who she believed to be about eight year old stand a few feet in front of her, and she watched her for a good good few seconds, and then she just vanished. Yeah. Shortly after that, uh, or a few days later, there was a there was just sat there, you know, watching TV on a night time, and then a bloke, the the shadow or the outline of a fella, just run through the run through the living room. Anyway, a couple of nights on, and the aired. What you know, like a, a dull sort of scream, whimpering Ooh, sort of noise, yeah. and obviously the the, chick, the 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 baby was in bed. So first thing they did is got up, run upstairs, and they found the baby sit set up uh, in in its crib with a blanket tied in a knot round its head. Um, yeah, well, when you get something like that, then you've got a few problems. Well, this this spirit, and and, and it's not just this story, but you'll hear from the other families. This spirit seemed to gravitate towards children. Okay, so, and we'll get onto a bit as to why we think that's the case uh, as we go along. Then you got another couple called uh, Tony and Pam. 
okay? And Tony was staying over at Pam's, uh, and Pam had gone to bed. So he reckons it was about two in the morning, and he went to turn off the TV and the lights and that. So he gets down on his knees, and he goes behind the thing, turn off the plugs. Anyway, no sooner had he turned off the light and the telly, everything came on, full blast, TV on, lights on. So he goes running up to Pam, because she'd been telling him she'd been hearing things going on in the yeah. house, but he didn't believe it, okay? And he runs up to her and he says, you are right, you know, we have got a ghost here. Okay, and remember, none of these people are talking to each other, okay? They're neighbours, but they're not going to, you know, you know, they're not going to tell each other. So at this point, they're keeping this all secret. Another thing Tony noticed when he was at that flat is that the dog would sometimes um, grab its toy and start backing up and then shoot forward, almost as if someone was playing with oh, it, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we get this a lot, don't we, about dogs yeah, and... Uh, yeah. And I, and I got a little theory on that, which I might go into at the end. But dog seeing spirits, etc., etc. And there was one time when Pam actually uh, brought the dog to the house to come back from the local priest, which I'll get into later. But they came back and uh, before they entered the house, they sent the dog in first. And uh, the dog, she said, she, she said it was funny actually. She said the dog went in there and he was sniffing around like an idiot. But um, then he came running out, the dog, and then they went in and the house was just a tip or everything because obviously they left it. Eat inside when yep. they left. Yep. When they came back from visiting the priest, the, the pillars were all over, fingers strewn around yep. the house. So, again, you know, very strange goings on. But again, with Tony and Pam, the most of the shit started centering around the little baby. Uh, and she said at the time the baby was not able to speak. But for some reason, at eleven thirty, more or less on the dot, the every time. yeah, every yep. night, the baby would wake up. And start saying, Baba, Baba, stand up uh, uh, at the edge of its crib, Baba, Baba. And she got a bit freaked out by this, with all the other goings on as well. So she decided to uh, move the baby into her room on a night time. But again, this this 11.30 thing still happened. The baby would stand up, Baba, Baba, with his arms outstretched, as if talking to somebody that's not there. Yep. And this went on for a few nights, and then one night she woke up to the sound of screaming, baby screaming, crying. Uh, and she uh, flipped on the light. The, cr- the baby was not in the crib, so this was pretty worrying at this point. Uh, but she she turned around to where the screams were coming from, and the baby was actually in behind the headboard of her bed. Oh, that's it. That's time to uh, start rolling, you know. Well, this this is why people man- yeah. this is why people went to see the housing officer because I don't know if it's the same in other countries, but essentially the housing officer is like um, this is when you got council tenants. A few homes in the UK are owned by the council, and they rent them out to people. I yep. presume this is the same all over the world, but we call it council houses, don't we? Yep. And th- there's a guy normally in charge of those, or a woman, in charge of those houses, and that's called the housing officer. So if you have an issue with that house, yep. you go to the housing officer. He's kind of a spokesman for the council. Exactly. So if that's you've right. got a problem with the, yep. the plumbing, whatever it is, this is your go-to guy. And this is why they end up going to him. Now, one woman did go to him. And she, he says, like, um, she came to me. She was distressed. She said her neighbours were, um, well, she, he said she came up with loads of allegations about the neighbours uh, calling her names and all the rest of it, uh, harassing her. But he asked her to produce evidence of it, yeah. police reports, because obviously if this is going on, you're going to call the police. She couldn't produce any reports. Um, and he said, well, you know, he said it was, the problem was he couldn't do anything based on hearsay. Um, he can't do anything. So he said he left that case open on his desk, but there was not much he could do about it. Unless she's going to actually produce evidence, 
she wanted to move, okay, but it, it, there's obviously a waiting list for houses, isn't yeah, there? So, is. so to move someone, obviously it's an emergency reason, then obviously they'll do that, but otherwise she's joined the back of the queue, so she was just in the queue to move at this point, this woman. Anyway, <clears throat> but I'll get on, like, say, I'll get on to the housing officer in a little minute, in a little minute. But uh, John and Sandra, another couple there. So they was kind of was they neighbours or lived nearby? Or these were these around the, the corner. Yeah, just around the, the corner. Yeah. Right. Okay. And again, you know, no no one's talking, and no one knows about this. Okay. So one night, Sandra had gone to bed early. John was watching telly. You know how you do, and then he fell asleep. Yeah. As you do, and um, he woke up, and at first he didn't know why he woke up. You know how you do, just wake yep. up. Uh, it's time to go to bed. But as he woke up, he said he was laying on the settee, and at the end of his settee, he had two armchairs at the end there, next to each other. And he distinctly heard two people sitting on the armchairs, whispering back and forth, yeah. talking about, probably talking about him. Now, yeah, yeah. there's a number of cases where people have actually heard ghosts communicating. Uh, I heard one one example of um, a woman was getting ready to leave this house. She'd back, bagged up all the stuff, boxed it all up, ready to move. And... Uh, Somebody was in the house. I can't remember if it was a removal man or somebody was in the house who wasn't part, you know, wasn't from the house, uh, wasn't native to the house, if you like. And he actually overheard two spirit, presumably talking, and they was both saying like, "Is she moving? Is she is she leaving us?" You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it, that freaked him out, and he left the premises. But yeah, but he woke up. He said he couldn't understand what they were saying because it was whispers, but he distinctly got the impression that they was talking about him. Yeah, and obviously he just mm. went to bed. Now the daughter, Sandra's daughter, actually had um, frequent uh, bouts of sleep paralysis. Right. Okay. Uh, and she said it would it start at her toes, and she get a cold feeling that she'd be laid in bed. She'd get this cold feeling come right up her body, and she'd be paralysed. Obviously, once she'd gone out of it, she run to her mum and that. It, it, that was only at that house there. She had this paralysis. That, at that house, yeah. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so. Well, I can explain that, but maybe later on. Okay. Okay, so how this all came out then, like I say, this is in, what I find quite interesting about this case is the housing officer, a guy called Alan, and like I said before, he'd been approached by this woman, yep. and she didn't say ghost or anything like that, she said her neighbours were, you know, and all the rest of it, and he, and he said, like, I left that on file. Then he got another woman come to the to the house, uh, to the housing officer, and uh, she said that something similar, um, you know, there's noises and stuff going on in the house, and... She didn't come out and say she had a ghost, but it, it, it got the impression that's what she was trying to say, okay? Yep. Um, and because she'd been moved, and obviously he said, look, I, all I can do is put you on the waiting list. Yeah. Um, and then he got a visit a few weeks after that. He got a visit from Sandra, who we talk, spoke about before. Um, it was actually Pam who'd gone the second time and said, you know, and uh, he got this Sandra come up and... She told him a very similar story, and then he, he sort of twigged at that point when she met, told him where he lived, where mm. she lived. He actually twigged that this was the next the Pamu come in was their next door neighbour. Right. Okay. Okay. So he said to her, he said um, off the record, he said, "This is going to sound strange, but he said, would you be willing to knock on your neighbour's door discreetly mm. and ask her?" Look, we've got some strange stuff. Don't say ghost. Don't go in there and say, I've got a fucking ghost. No, no, no. He said, just knock on the door and say, you know, we've got a few issues going on in the house. Uh, you know, bumps and stuff. Have you got anything yep. similar going on in your your house? So she did. She went round and knocked on the door, did this, and obviously 
Pam and that told her, yeah, we've got a ghost and told her about the baby and all the rest of it. So she came back to the housing officer uh, and um, told him, you know, yep. yeah, she's got a ghost. Now, what the, the actually first person they went to was the priest. Because this is what I was saying before. Who do you confide in if you can't really confide in? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You usually go to the priest because you don't understand what's going on. So yeah. So they went you go, to. You think you're going to go to someone who knows, but they actually don't know anything. But... Well, that was that was that was their uh, that was their read of the situation as well because they got the priest round and basically both of them said the, um, the priest just fobbed them off. That's it. That's what uh, I'm saying. They don't I know think what Pam doing. said the fair, he come in and he basically said, "Oh, he's trying to explain everything that was going on. He was trying to explain to it. It could be this. It could be that. It could be that." Um, but obviously, we're living in that situation. You've already ruled all this out before. Yeah, course, before right. you've gone to ghost, you don't go straight to ghost, do you? No. A lot of stuff has to happen before that. So they'd already ruled this out in their heads, but he wasn't willing to budge on that. Um, and the housing officer, this Alan, said like the priest wasn't willing to do anything about it. So it was down to him, basically. And at that point, uh, obviously, you know, the people wanted to be moved. So presumably they all moved out and lived happy, happily ever after. But some of the reasons as to why this haunting was happening, the land itself, just prior to the, the housing development in the 1970s, used to be a row of Victorian houses, which yep. were used for workers of the mills and that kind of thing. So again, you know, you're looking at, uh, a brutal history there, right? With Victorian mills. I think and... also, uh, also maybe the workers and families lived there as well. Yeah, know, rented yeah. places. But well, they did, yeah. So, so workers so you... uh, coming back, the families still. Uh, so you had that kind of history. Kind of bullshit. Yeah. And a lot of people lost, lost people in the in, yeah, in, in, in the mills. Oh, yeah, so... so a lot of lost uh, a lot of uh, events happened in that house, or yeah. in that area. So that, so that was the houses, that was prior to the 1970s, that's what was there, those houses. But before that, it used to be, uh, I think in the 1500s or 1600s, it used to be owned by the church, uh, and they used to rent the land for farming, although yeah. there was a grave uh, graveyard in that area as well. So it used to be used for farming. And a lot of the residents on the estate believed that the ghost was the ghost of a farmer, who obviously used to live there, like I say, back in the day, and who used to keep children captive um, and again you know going back to them days it, yeah, it was yeah. commonplace okay yeah but he also used to do um dirty deeds for the children okay. well they, i suppose it wasn't maybe it was common in them days mm. um, to that, obviously because you if you had wealth and you had a um, high standing then you know you was quite well protected you know you could yeah. do virtually what you wanted well, to do i suppose and that was the rumor if you like that was going around there you know, he kept these children slaves, and he used to used to have his wicked way with them. Hence, why a lot of the ghosts, what people have seen, were children. Yeah. And a lot of people that saw the ghost said it was children looking for, um, you know, seeking, um, what do you call it? Not revenge. You know, like um, seeking some sort of solace, seeking some sort of. Uh, well, do you, do you think that these children were housed in that were stuck in that house then, or stuck in that area? I think it was stuck to the the area because of what had happened to it's them. It's quite common. It's, it's quite well known that you know if. Um, if it's still going on, usually the bad person's still there and the children, he's still got kind of a, a, a hold over them. A yeah. hold over them. They can't go on until he goes. Well, uh, there's, many times, there's many times I've heard this. But... It's, you know, it's funny you say that because, like, say, the the council guy, he got he gets in the ghost club. You know, can you do something with this? Can you move the spirit on? Um, so they came in. They brought with them... Uh, are, these psychic, power, are these paranormal, paranormal group? Yeah, this was yeah, okay. the this yeah, was the yeah. Stock, uh, Stockport Ghost Society or Stockport yeah, yeah. Ghost Club, okay, led by a guy called Kenny, and they he brought with 
as long as it was well as his team, he brought in a psychic called Helen. Was, she was a psychic medium, like. And he says he was sitting there. There was doing like a seance in the room. A lot of the family's members have been coming into this room as well because uh, by now everyone was talking about it. And uh, he said he'd only been there uh, not long, a few minutes or whatever. And the lights were dim. He said like, but you could still see each other. He yep. just wouldn't get the right mood. Like, but he, he said it, this uh, girl came to him. She appeared to be about fourteen year old, long brown hair, grey dress. Yeah. Uh, it didn't go quite the way down to her ankles, and he said this. You could, there's a, you know, uh, socks were there, but they there was a gap between the socks and the, the dress, if you yeah, like. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So he noticed details like this. He even noticed that this, one of the shoes seemed to be built up, uh, you know, like a block on the bottom. Just so me. she had yeah. like shorter leg. Yeah, and I think that was sort of stuff was common with like polio and shit. Yeah, yeah, polio. Yeah. So. He, he he noticed all these details were there, and then like I say, the, the psychic herself, she, as soon as she came in, she said she picked up on this dark person. Yeah, uh, it was definitely yeah. a, a definitely a male figure, but she said it was it was dark, but not in in a negative sense as well, but actually dark clothing, mm. and she wondered if it was religious clothing. Okay, so like you'd see like a vicar or maybe yeah. a monk, this kind of thing, uh, and she actually, from what she felt, she felt like this guy was doing dirty deeds and all the rest of it, but using his religion and his standing as a cover. Yeah, that's what they usually do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, still do to this day. Don't I mean, well, you, you get the cults now, don't you? I mean, there's that famous case in the 80s, wasn't it, where that, was it because of that comet or something? And this guy said, oh, the world. Gate, yeah, yeah well, and then they all, they all commit suicide because on, on his word, you know, they look, you know, at the end of, at the end of days, and they all, I think, was it 18, 20 people? Yeah, yeah, it was a few. Commit suicide? On his yeah. word, yeah. it's the end of days. Yeah, there was know. a spaceship coming behind. That's right, one there. Comet. That's yeah. right, Lee. Yeah, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, we should probably touch on that because it's an interesting story. Yeah. Well, it's a fucked up story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, but, it's, um, it's a but very nice. Story. She felt that's what was going on, it? and she she also felt like bad energy in all the three hours that she had investigated. Yeah. Uh, she felt yeah. the same pockets of bad energy, yeah, but that needs to be cleansed. Yeah, and I, I think that's not a problem. That's what she was there to do. So she yeah. sorted that Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
for when they got these cases across, there's just people being soft in the head. Mm. Um, and a lot of them were just, you know, thrown away, these cases. But he said on occasion, he'd go to these people. When everyone came to him, he'd go to them, visit yeah. them at their house, and he said knew straight away whether he was telling the truth or not because he'd walk in the house and he'd know. Yeah. You know, he'd get the feeling that sure. you know, something was going on there. Yeah. He said, yeah, a lot of them did try it on. You know, we'll be naughty, we need a new, bigger flat, you know. Yeah, 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 and he, yeah. he said he spotted them straight away. But he even went up to... Um, like I say, he went up to Nottingham to do an exorcism there uh, to move these spirits on that were would, uh, inflicting you know, shit on this new estate that was built. And he said the reason behind that, what was going on in that estate, was uh, because the spirit that used to own the land resented people living on his land. Mm. Okay, so he said that happens quite regular with spirits. They'll, you'll move into an house and they still think it's their house. Yeah, because that, 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 to them it's still... I mean, you're so you move in 1985. To them, it's still 1965. Yeah, yeah. You know, no difference. Yeah. You know, they 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 think what you do in your house. This is why sometimes your house gets ripped open, tipped it everywhere, and you know, they, they throw things at you, saying, "Get out of my house." Mm. So they throw things at you and turn up, like, "Get out of my house." You know. So I guess it's why you need someone to come in and move them on. Yeah. Until but... until they get that um, until they realise that oh shit, you know, not so not supposed to be here, and then they then they can move, then yeah. they can go, they can go home, but. It's, well, Some won't move. <laughs> Some still are really, really, you know. Yeah, stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the Gorton Bottle guys. Great case. So what have you got for me? Well, I've got a nice ghost ship. Well, it's in Ghost at the time. Anyway, the ship itself, the SS Orang Meden, is called the Death Ship. The Strait of Malacca has long borne the passage of trading ships. Over the centuries, most of these merchantmen reached their destination safely. However, one day in the summer of 1947, a forbidden SOS message drifted across the Strait's airwaves. This is what I find strange. All officers, including Captain, are dead, are laying in chart room and bridge. Possibly whole crew dead. Again, this was followed by some uh, indecipherable Morse code chatter, probably more uh, SOS signals. Mm. But this one, this one got me. And then one finally grisly message. I die. Yeah, that's I weird, die. Yeah. Not we die, I die. <clears throat> anyway, the macabre distress call was picked up by other ships and international listening post through triangulation. They identified the vessel as a Dutch freighter SS Orang Meden and plotted its appro- approximate position to within the Strait of Malacca. After two US merchant ships that heard the Orang Medan's grim message, Silver Star was the nearest and she raced to the aid of the stricken vessel. Within a few hours, Silver Star arrived upon a hushed site. The calm sea gently lapped at the Orang Medan's stationary hull and the crew was nowhere to be seen above the decks. The American ship hailed the Dutch ship with whistles, calls and hand signals, but there was no response. Nothing on board the airy craft moved. A boarding party was quickly assembled. What they would discover would prove such an alarming sight that it, it has made the Orang Medan into one of the strangest nautical mysteries of all time. Eclipse and even the Mary Celeste. Mm. And that, I, I like so Celeste as well. Anyway. Um, as Silver Star's boarders discovered, the SOS message proved correct. Every member of the ship, ship's crew lay dead. 
The crew's corpses lay scattered in various places below deck. The captain was dead on the bridge and his officers in the wheelhouse, chart room and wardrobe were all dead too. More to this, all the corpses still had their eyes open and faces upturned, some with outstretched arms and expressions of sheer terror etched upon their features. As a May 1952 article in the rather official proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council put it, there were dead men everywhere, the frozen faces upturned to the sun with mouths gaping open and eyes staring. The dead bodies resembled horrible caricatures. Silver Star's boarding party noted that even the ship's dog was dead. Yeah. <laughs> so no escaping whatever got them anyway. Uh, its face looked in a grimace that mirrored that of its masters. A trip to the communications room revealed the author of the SOS messages. He was also dead, his hands still on the more sending key, his eyes wide open and teeth bared. There was no sign of wounds, there was no injuries on any of the bodies, and the boarding party, according to one source, felt intense cold when on the lower decks. The decision was made to tow the mysterious ship back to port, but before they could get underway, smoke began emanating from somewhere below deck. The boarding party hurriedly returned to Silver Star and barely had time to cut the lines and get to a safe distance before the baffling ship exploded with such force that she lifted herself from the water and swiftly sank. That's the story anyway. Destroyed, yeah. Destroyed. Sounds more like, doesn't it? Right, so anyway, so what really happened? These, I'm going to go give some uh, theories here. Speculators have said that pirates killed the crew and sabotaged the ship, although this does not explain the peculiar grimaces and lack of obvi obvious wounds on the corpses. Others have claimed that clouds of methane or other noxious natural gases could have bubbled up from fissures on the seabed and engulfed the ship, pausing all on board. I can't see that. Uh, carbon monoxide could have leaked from the engine room, killing the crew, say others. Even more fantastical theories involving aliens and ghosts abound with the strange manner of the sailors' deaths, pushing researchers into thinking supernatural foul play was the only explanation. I don't think... Um, I mean, obviously, um, carbon monoxide would kill you, but it wouldn't kill you if you was on the deck, would it? I thought carbon monoxide was a silent killer. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I mean, it's killed... not cut you. I mean it was yeah. working, not going to cut if, you. Right? If he was in the bunk or whatever, yeah, or if yeah. he was down below, yeah, that would kill you. But it wouldn't but kill you if he was on the deck. No, no, you'd, you'd, no, no, no. You'd pass out where you was, wouldn't you? Yeah, so. of course you would. So, um, there we go for that one. So, what do you reckon, Lee? Um, do we know what the ship was meant to be carrying? Well, again, the ship was a uh, it was a it's a cargo ship, and it was supposed to be carrying um, some kind of uh, gas liquid, something. But um, what uh, it says, what is follows, but the what follows is pure speculation. But uh, there was a tantalising possible explanation of a crew's demise, and on the records. Um, it's supposed to be carrying a lethal cargo, uh, lethal sorry, a lethal cargo called uh, Zion Kali, 
it's a potassium cyanide and nitroglycerine. Mm. But um, once these people um, tried to dig into it, there was no records in the ship's logs. Yeah, well... That so was, basically was... the ship did exist. Yeah. So it just disappeared, unless, you know, unless it was struck off and hidden, the cover up. But there was carrying some kind of, um, you know, but well, it has to be illegal, didn't it? it had to be illegal. Yeah, if it was destroyed, if it was, see, it seems like it was destroyed, doesn't it? Or, or maybe the crew that was sent aboard were given orders to destroy it. Well, it says that. Um, uh, he goes on to say that um, it was deadly gas. If it was deadly gas leaking from the cargo hold that caused the crew's demise. The development of such gases was outlawed under the Geneva Convention, and so perhaps shadowy government forces erased the Orang Medan from the shipping registers. So it's mm. a cover-up. Yeah. Very possible. But what got me is, can the, that mixture of gas and that do that to the bodies? Yeah. What? What on deck? Yeah, that's the thing, see... I can That's see. Thing... I can see. I can see below. Yeah. Where does you know where, where you know, but I can't see on on deck. You know, you got the. I think aliens. No, don't aliens, mate. Aliens kill them all. Not aliens. Nah, like but, you say. I mean, I I saw a video <laughs> on it, and you know, the bodies were. It was something like that was frozen. You know, it was frozen solid. But yeah. You know, no. just... See, rig and mortars would do that though, wouldn't it? Depends how. Yeah, how, but how long was the... It was only a few hours, wasn't it? What, between the distress call yeah, and the first ship? Yeah, a few hours. Um, so, I don't, I don't know, it's so. a strange one. Strange, strange. one. Um, I mean, the gas theory sort of adds up, doesn't it? But not 100%. No. Very, very strange. I would I mean, really it like to... couldn't have been to... a mass suicide, could no, it? Well, no, I'd like to know, really, whereabouts in the Malacca Strait there was. What area? Mm. I mean, it just it just said that in the Malacca Strait, but it's a big strait. Yeah. So whatever. Well, that's the ghost ship then. That's the ghost ship. So make of that what you will. Um, right. So we should do some uh, paranormal news. Yes. Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Paranormal News, broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. Five, four, three, two, one. Dad taking pictures of medieval castle with son spots strange ghostly figure when he looks back at the images. A father and son taking photographs of a medieval castle claim they spotted something extremely mysterious when they looked back at the images. John Wicks, 50, was helping 12-year-old son, Harry, with his homework and the pair had visited Ainsford Castle in Kent to find out about its history. But while taking pictures of the grounds of the castle, John managed to capture an unexplained figure shrouded in a black cloak standing in the background. 
Unsure of what the black shadowy man was, John enlisted a paranormal investigator as he had not noticed anyone around when taking the photographs. The expert claims there is no explanation for the monk's appearance. But he's gone straight to monk. Does it? Yeah. Everything's a monk. Yeah. According to local legend, John claims the black monk had been spotted in the area before in 11.30 by William D. Ainsford, who held the castle for the Archbishop of Canterbury, allegedly Tired. retired to become... Either did or he didn't, didn't he? Yeah. He retired, retired to become, retired a, monk. To become a monk. The picture itself shows looks like some sort of staircase just in front of a castle wall, and there is clearly an object at the top of the stairs. My estimation puts that object about two and a half feet tall. Ooh. So not a very big monk if is if it is a monk. The airy figure stands on the steps of the ruined castle. John from Kent said, I was quite surprised when I saw the first picture. The strange thing was my little boy had his history homework so that we went there. We only went to take a few pictures because we wanted to see the castle, how the castle was built. I saw the image with the figure in it and looked on the web. There, that's when I read about the monk being seen in the area. I'm not really sure about this sort of stuff. I asked the paranormal investigator what he thought and he went down there last week to check it out. When I showed my son he looked at it and just laughed because I was certain the figure hadn't been there when I took the picture. It's worth investigating. When I posted the image online a paranormal group to a paranormal that should say yeah. when I posted the image online to a paranormal group they were suggested that there's just a hole in the wall, but someone had actually gone there to take photos to confirm that is not the case. John claims, although he is unsure that the black figure is a ghost, he has a supernatural ex un uh, he has as had supernatural unexplained experiences before, including being brought back to life in 1995. It's not supernatural, is it? No, it's medical science. John said. I'm not sure whether it's a ghost or not. I never really freaked out by the sort of stuff. At first, I wondered if it was a trick of light. Everyone has seen it is interested because many think it's a ghost. Many think it's not a black monk. Yeah. It's a two foot tall monk. Yeah, it looks a bit like um, yeah, a mini monk to me. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put that on the. Uh, a jockey. We'll put the picture on the hangout so you can have a look at it. Yeah, it's the Jockey Monk. Yeah, it's a Jockey Monk. Of Kent Castle. Driver claims ghost hitchhiker suddenly vanished inside his truck. A driver has claimed he picked up a hitchhiker who then vanished into thin air. The man says his paranormal passenger left behind just a burnt smell and melted shoe marks on his rubber mats. Pedro Pirone from San Jose de la Esquina in Argentina, was driving home on February the 26th when he saw a young man hitchhiking on the side of the road. As often, like he used to, on his trips, he pulled over and offered to give the man a ride. Despite the hitchhiker being a bit shy and reserved, Mr Perone said he seemed to be a regular teen, the likes of which he often picked up. But while he could Why? hardly remember most of the people he had given lifts to over the years, he said that this passenger's face will stay with him for the rest of his life. 
Looking back on the events that transpired that day, Mr. Perone wished he had learned more about his mysterious passenger. All he was able to learn about him was that he came from the nearby town of Artiga and he was 17 years old. When asked if he was going all the way to San Jose de la Esquina, the boy said no and said he would tell him where he'd like to get out. Mr. Perone told reporters, finally he asked me to drop him off at the junction with the road leading to the cemetery. And as soon as, as soon as I got there, I sensed an awful burning smell. I stopped to see if something had caught fire, got out to check the back of the truck, and as soon as I turned around, I noticed there was no one inside. The baffled trucker checked the passenger seat more thoroughly, but all he found was two footprints, scorched footprints, melted into the rubber mat. I looked round to see if the boy had just run off. I had tried to spot him, but there was no sign of him anywhere and no other footprints. Some friends of Mr. Perone happened to drive by moats later and helped him to look for the boy for a while but found nothing. Unable to explain what happened, Mr. Perone went to the cops and told them the whole spooky story. Words uh, of his experience spread around San, San Jose de Alasquina and Suderman was contacted by dozens of TV and radio stations for interviews. Mr. Perone said he's not the kind of man to believe into the paranormal and described himself as a devout Catholic. Uh, he said, I'm a little stressed, nervous, but I'm not afraid, but I just can't explain what happened, he said. Mm, but why is he often picking up boys at the side Ooh, of the road? So you know more. That's the strange bit. Yeah, but I think what got me more is... Uh, or, or any... Uh, if the boy disappeared, why would he uh, leave two burnt footprints on his rubber mat nice oh, uh, spirit this one then from the daily star Loch Ness astronaut spotted looming over bridge in bizarre stat it's not Tom Thomas Pope 38 took the bizarre photo during a coach trip to the famous Scottish Lake the golf course worker from Somerset showed showed the image to a friend who noticed the spaceman in the background Thomas said, <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't see the figure when I, I was taking the picture. <laughs> it was only when I spotted later, when I zoomed, <laughs> zoomed in and I could see it. <laughs> it's really weird because I just can't explain I it. I've been on a cider. Thomas believed it may be linked to the fabled Solway Firth space map. Another astronaut who randomly cropped up in a 1964 photo of a young girl. The famous photo was taken by fireman John Jim Templeton on the day out with his daughter and his wife. Mm. Yes, I've been there. He later said, I took three pictures of my daughter, Elizabeth, in similar poses and we were shocked when the middle picture came back from Kodak, uh, from Kodak displaying what looks like a spaceman in the background. There is reportedly nine sightings of the Loch Ness Monster uh, last year. That's the highest ever. Ooh. But that uh, picture that they're on about was in Cumbria, wasn't it? Yeah. But, um, Solway Fair from the Spaceman. The picture itself, um, oh, now it? what do you think? It does oh. look like a Spaceman, doesn't it? Like he doesn't. It's not a Stickman, is it? <laughs> it's certainly strange. Certainly it's worth it, Leggy. Certainly worth a look. Yeah. 
So obviously, like normal, if we remember to put them up, the pictures and the videos from the Paranormal yep. News Stick them on the hangout. will be in the Hangout. Uh, please, if you can, join us on Facebook because we do have live feeds on there from time to time. Actually, we did a live feed last weekend, and it very it, popular. Yeah, it was quite good actually. It was yeah. quite it was quite uh, interesting for us. There was a few questions we got asked, weren't we? Yep, and it was very popular. Um, I didn't expect an hour and a half on it, Lee. Don't know about you, mate. No, I no. Expected maybe half an hour, then we'd wrap it up. Yeah, right? but we just get we got a few decent questions, didn't we? So we yeah, uh, we'll definitely be doing another one very very shortly. Yep. So um, um, we're going ghost hunting tonight in Binbrook, and anything we get, um, you know, hopefully get some activity, whatever. Hopefully we'll pick it up on the video and we'll stick it on YouTube and the show as well. Yeah, if we can do a live feed, we will. If, if yeah, okay, that's only uh, hopefully with the internet connection. Yeah, but um, we'll we'll do another live uh, live feed. Ask us anything type thing. Yeah, um, and what I'll do is I'll make an event for that. And I'll put it on the. Hang out. I'll put it on Facebook so you know people know when it is. Uh, we're not really sure because a lot of people that were listening from America, so we're not really sure what the best time is uh, UK-wise for for the American people. But if anyone you know has got the best time for us to do it, then we'll do it at that time. But uh, yeah, so it's usually it's like yeah, it's gonna be what I mean. We usually do what half seven. That's at night, so it'll be mid morning. Yeah, sort of America, dinner time. Uh, yeah. Mid morning dinner time. But other than that, so uh, join us in York if you can, if you live near York or you, yes. you're about in York on the 22nd, 23rd of April. Uh, we're uh, there for the day and night. And, so, you know, it's going to be really good. And, you know, come join us in the bar and a few beers and some stories. And that's it, yeah. So that's the 22nd of April uh, into the 23rd of April. Yep. Um, other than that, we will see you next week. Please share on social media everywhere you can. Uh, That really does help us. Uh, Until next week, be careful out there. Bye for now. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back.